0: Hi, this is Philip Zeng, aka Las Vegas Phil. Hi, my name is Will Staton. I'm the founder of Craven Creole. And I'm Joanna
1: Rodriguez, executive sous chef of Major
2: Demo Meat and Fish. And you're listening to Two Sharp Chefs. What's up, chefs, hospitality family, foodies? You're listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. I'm Lorraine Moss chef and journalist. And I'm Ruby
1: Victa, chef and professional food photographer. Thanks for joining us. We started this podcast in June, 2019 to honor Anthony Bourdain, a fellow chef who gave us all a better understanding of different cultures and people through his daring food adventures.
2: We're here to expand the dialogue. We're two chefs cooking up raw, honest conversations about chef life, food, and the hospitality industry. So come on in. You can sit with us. Hello, Louie. Here we go again. Uh, Today we have a good friend. We say that a lot because we do have a lot of good friends in the hospitality industry that we've worked with. But we have a very good friend who opened Bazaar with us many years ago, Logan Pankhurst. Uh, He was working on the line with us on all the stations, frying, sataying, making steaks, all that kind of stuff, working in the seafood room. And then he decided, you know what? I'm going to take the SOM exam and I'm going to become a sommelier which he did. Um, And now he works as a full-time sommelier at a very nice restaurant, Zuma at Cosmopolitan, which is a super delicious Japanese restaurant. So in pandemic provisions, before we get to Logan, we are talking our favorite order at a Japanese restaurant. I'm going to start um, surprise, surprise, Louie, I'm going bougie as F, of course. Uh, I'm going to go a Toro. Uh, weirdly enough, the first time that I actually... Uh, prepared and ate a toro was at Bizarre Meat, coincidentally. Uh, Alex showed it to me, our chef there. Uh, And since then, I had been craving it. So every time I go to a Japanese restaurant, I look to see if they have a toro on the menu. Um, It is very expensive. Uh, It's sort of the way that I look at it, it's kind of like the Kobe of tuna because it's highly marbleized, uh, it's got great marbling. Uh, and because of that, just like Kobe is with steak, it is melt in your mouth. As soon as you bite into it, you know, it's like butter. It's super rich. Um, it comes from the fattest, fattest part of the tuna, which is the underbelly. Uh, in Japan, they're no joke when it comes to their tunas. Like it comes from the bluefin tuna traditionally, and that is the most expensive tuna. And the first tuna of the season can go as high as like, Three million dollars. <laughs> so we're talking like make it rain kind of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louis, what's your fave? Well, I'm gonna go lowbrow
1: as usual. Because like fine. I love, I love street food. I really mm-hmm. do love street food. And I'm just going to go with like the final Japanese yakitori. Now yakitori, um. I love it because it's um, the equivalent of like a Filipino barbecue. It's anything skewer. Uh-huh. So. Um, Usually chicken or pork, and then they're glazed with like a sauce and then finished over a hot benchotan grill that Kaivu actually showed us. Yes. That's how we uh, do like Japanese yakitori. Sometimes it's served with like some ginger sauces on the side. It really depends on which part of the chicken is being used. Mm -hmm. But to me, I think it's like a a really good... um, really good bite at any Japanese restaurant. They have like really, uh, really like mommy distinct yes. character, flavor. Yes. Um, not to be confused with any other type of barbecue because like yakitori skewers are usually small. Mm-hmm. So the skewering of food is just what was made because of like portability. My favorite town is uh, do Raku, and they do like every part of the chicken. I swear. And I've never been to like a concept like that in town that does like every part of the chicken, but it's like a glorious way to explore yakitori. Speaking of which, I got to try Famous food Street Eats and that is a powerhouse of a really good collection of restaurants. Um, Steve Aoki and his brother Kevin yes. opened the yakitori place there. And all the Asian food, because I got to sample it when I was at work, when I was taking photos, it is solid. It is pretty legit. So it is really worth a visit. Just definitely uh, try one dish from every stall.
2: What are your wine wishes, Louie? We're going to try to make Logan make our wine wishes come true. Uh, OK, so we're talking with Logan Pancras today. Uh, we started as professional cooks together at Bazaar Meats. And now he's totally flown the coop and he's like a wine expert now. So he's been a wine uh, sommelier at Zuma at the Cosmopolitan for about four years now. Uh, Logan, I know when we were all together, you talked about studying for those SAM exams. So that was years and years ago. And so now that you're working professional sommelier, is it all, you know, what you thought it was going to be? Like now that you're bona fide, and do you miss being on the line? Um
0: yeah I guess like uh some of it's a lot of, it's a lot different than I thought um I mean, you study like wine so much uh then it turns out that a big part of like what's selling wine in is is more marketing sales yeah brand uh. recognition i think than uh like understanding the process of what's going on before you sell it um so I guess that was a little bit um different than what I expected also. I guess like yeah, totally I miss working like back at the house. Um I still don't feel like I was able to escape it. <laughs> um I kept getting other like part-time jobs and stuff in kitchens mm-hmm. um while I was sawming still. So uh yeah, I don't think uh <laughs> I can escape it a hundred percent.
1: Right. Did you feel like feel like some like is it rage? Like day off rage <laughs> or something like that? Cause I did. I, I was like really angry when I I quit working, um, back of the house.
0: I don't think it's necessarily like that. It's just, you know, uh, once you really like dive into it, uh, you, you start to obsess about it a little bit more, right? Like you're constantly still uh-huh. looking up like chefs and restaurants and things like that. And you're still so like intrigued by the industry and like following like what restaurants are opening and who's opening a new one there that it's like, it's kind of hard to be like, Oh yeah, I'm just like not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, so
1: so what yeah. inspired you to actually um move away from the back of the house? What was the draw?
0: Uh I'm going to be honest like I was always like interested in beverage like back in the day and like still wanted to like study and do that. Um and I remember one of a chef I worked for before he's like, "Yeah, the hard part is always finding like you know somebody who knows what they're doing in their front of the house and stuff like that." So I was always like, "Yeah, I got to know how to do both." But honestly, when I was working because I had first gone to work at Zuma, I I opened up and I was a cook there and I was working like 60 hours a week and still try to finish my bachelor's degree in the morning. (laughs) Um, And so I was getting burned out really easily. And I always like talk to the Psalms and stuff like that because I was into it. So when they had like an entry level position open up, I was like, can I do that? And uh, start sleeping again.
2: Oh, Um, gotcha.
0: So, I mean, there was like a big push just because the hours were kind of killing me. So
2: totally makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of that Psalm exam, um, you know, we've a lot of us have seen the Psalm documentary and we've heard stories like how bad is it? Like, what was the hardest part about the Psalm exam? And I want to know personally, was it harder than learning
0: Chinese? Oh, Hmm.
2: interesting. Yeah. Um, Which um, which uh,
1: Psalm exam did you take?
0: Okay. Um, so I went, I got certified through the quartermaster psalms. So I took. I've taken the intro and the certified.
2: Uh-huh. Nice. Um, so one and two. Yeah. Very cool. And so how I- hard, or, I mean, is it not as hard as it seems like it is, or is it ridiculous?
1: Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Right. Cause I'm, I'm first level certified. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: It's, I don't want to sound like a teacher, but it's like, it's all about how much you prepare for it. Right. Um, yeah. So. I felt a lot better when I finally went to take the certified exam, just because I was like finally more prepared. I knew how to study and I'd worked uh-huh. with more Psalms and stuff. Uh, but you have like this service practical part where you have to serve like a master Psalm. And then while mm-hmm. you're doing it, you're like, they're asking you questions of what would you pair with something? And like, what's your recommendations? Or then they start asking you other questions outside of wine. Like I know one I got stumped on was they were like, can you recommend me a berry liqueur? And I was like, what the fuck drinks that? Like,
2: <laughs>
0: and they wanted me to like name off a brand. And I was like, I, I think I straight up missed that one. I was just like, no.
2: You've got to answer that last part of the question. What's harder, learning Chinese or learning
0: like stuff for the sum exam? Because um, Chinese is hard. Yeah, learning Chinese sucked. Um, <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> uh, but that was a lot more spaced out and I did it via school. So there's like more of a setting. I think the hardest part with like the court uh, tests and things like that is there's not exactly like a curriculum set. Mm-hmm. Like there's some great resources out there, but they're also like huge and vast, right? Like they give you a book and intro that's like good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't lay out everything like, and then there's another website um they give you a subscription to called guild Song That is just like this online database of information and stuff. But nobody tells you exactly what to study. so right. That kind of leads to being the hardest part.
1: Yeah. Do they still use sales and service for the wine professional?
0: Um, I think it's on like the, the book recommended book? book still. Gotcha. There's
2: um, Logan, I hate when people ask me this, but I'm going to ask you it. Cause like you're the whitest boy ever. And I want to hear oh, you cool. speak Chinese, um, say anything. Cause people are always like, say it in Portuguese, say it in Spanish. I don't want to, but, I want to okay. hear you, gringo, white boy, say something in Chinese to us.
0: <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you don't think I can speak Chinese because I'm white.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Great. Um, so we got a loaded question for you. Uh, now that you've been studying all this wine and you've been working for a while with A. what is your favorite grape and why?
0: Um, I still probably drink Neo more than anything. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, I think there's just like a lot more the variables to it. Like you can get really light styles. You can get really, um, big, bold styles. hmm and Spanish wine is still just like at the best price point. I feel like for everything, it is, it's a little sure. bit cheaper if you like go for lower and stuff, Yeah. but even like you can try some higher and stuff and like actually be able to afford it.
2: Um, as a chef, former professional cook, kind of still professional cook. <laughs> um, do you look at, do you feel like you look at wine differently and pairing differently than say just a sommelier that I shouldn't say just a sommelier, a sommelier that's never had professional cook experience.
0: Um i think so i mean there's certain things uh i think are a little bit easier like knowing how something's made Mm -hmm. uh i guess kind of makes it easier to pair something like right you know when we talk about recipes and stuff or like things we pair like wine or sake with i think about like how the recipe's made and i know how many milligrams or sugar Mm -hmm. is going into that sauce or like i guess uh yeah. Like certain kind of like herbaceous, like qualities and things like that, because I actually know the recipes, um, in process too, right. That's a big part of it. Uh, so I guess, yes, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, at the end of the day too, I, I guess it's always comes down to like the person that's like ordering it and like what they want to try. Cause half the time, I mean, everybody still just wants to drink cab with, uh, yeah, <laughs> basically everything.
2: Uh, how do you react and how do you like those people? Cause now you're so front facing. Um, how do you like those people that come in and they're just like wine experts, you know, like I just love those food experts too. It's a wine expert guy, usually a guy and he's with his date or with his like family. And he's just like, you know, pontificating about all the amazing, like varietals and the vintages. And he's like, so wrong. How do you, how do you handle it? Do you just like kind of laugh to yourself and like, let it go and suggest something or how do you handle those situations?
0: Yeah. I mean, for the most part, like you, you obviously you never want to be rude or anything. You kind of got to let them do their thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and I just try to, <laughs> you know, do the service part and avoid the rest of it. Cause yeah, right. you know, half the time it makes you cringe a little bit just because it's, it's also just, it becomes so much of more of a status thing, right? It's like, right. Oh yeah, I'm drinking. Exactly. This. Hey, I want to drink this brand. I always drink this brand. It's the best. Isn't it the best guys? Right. It's like, okay, man, I just sold you a bottle. That's four times the price because of people like, you. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: You're not getting, what
0: what you know, your too, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a big part of it. People know they can charge a lot more for those brands and then we can sell the neighbor of that winery for three times as less, you know?
2: Um, I know that you also homebrew beer, so (laughs) are you over it or are you still like super into beer, even though now that you're like a fancy wine guy?
0: Oh no, totally. I, uh, (laughs) I think honestly, like when I became a Psalm, I started like getting more involved in like beer and stuff like that because it it Ah. was kind of a break. Um, and that does like, I think it did kind of, it turns into work, right. Instead of like hanging out and like. You know, with my wife like drinking a bottle of wine or like shopping around and doing that stuff, it mm-hmm. starts to feel like work still. Mm-hmm. So I think beer was kind of like just a good way to like still do beverage stuff, but it's still like fun, you know. It's yeah. just like like right. just get to be the consumer, right? Like it's not about being a salesman or anything.
2: Totally. Um, so we know you've earned several degrees, you've studied several languages now, and you've worked in many different jobs in the hospitality industry. So do you have like an ultimate goal, or are you trying to, you know, steer your way to a certain, you know, dream, or is it just kind of like learn everything I can right now?
0: Um. So I actually this semester I started at UC Davis for their winemaking program. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so I'm looking to go do that. I'll probably I'm planning on moving hopefully next year. To um, so like Sac
2: area, the Sac area. Uh, Where Davis? No, I think is?
0: actually Oregon. <laughs> Oh, cool. we've been talking about it for a while, but um, great wine country. Yeah, like working out in a, I guess those kind of regions kind mm-hmm. of appeals to me because uh, it kind of seems like there's uh, there's definitely the market for it, and yeah, that's kind of my hope is I can like do a little bit of everything and still like be involved in cooking and sales and uh, yeah, making and get my hands dirty as well. Uh, and yeah, it seems like there's kind of a shortage every time you go out to those places.
2: Yeah, I, that sounds perfect for you because right? that's that's the wine vibe, but also just like outdoorsy and, you know, that cool, like hiking, biking, like hanging out with the babies and the wife kind of weather. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's, that sounds perfect for you.
0: But yeah, that's the, I think that's the long term goal.
2: So speaking of that, um, one baby born during the pandemic, Yeah, one made during the pandemic, Louie. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. They've been busy. <laughs> uh, how are you and your wife, Lauren, coping? Uh, how is it going like with this baby and baby on the way situation and you trying to work?
0: Um, Restaurant hours. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, she's a teacher, so I think I, we kind of have the perfect schedule where I can take care Opposites. of the, the during the day and she yeah. can take care of them at night. The pandemic was kind of a little bit of a help. <laughs> for us too, just because we were able to get more time off and kind of manage that. And I don't know that we're going to have that with the second kid. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Like when you get off work at like one in the morning, you go to bed at three and then you're up at seven, oh. um, to take care of a child. <laughs> yeah. so I mean, yeah, I guess I just don't sleep anymore. Um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah, I got back to like those days of college where, you know, you Function on three hours of sleep every day.
2: So you're surviving, basically. Right.
0: Yeah, I drink a lot of caffeine. Oh
2: um,
0: <laughs> I think that helps. Yeah.
2: Are you like cool. nervous about the situation coming up in a couple of months? Or are you like h- how are you feeling about, you know, just gonna get like doubly busy, I think?
0: Um, I I don't know. You know, it's just like uh the first one was hard. I guess you just kind of like uh just gotta do it. I don't think I can. <laughs> I don't think I can wait an extra, you know, yeah. months to be more ready. So
2: it is what it is. <laughs> yeah,
1: just there, so True, But like parenting is like super joyous or
2: is it? Yeah. The payoff.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. It's, um, I don't know. Like I'm way more into it than I thought it would be. Honestly, I didn't think I would be like a person that was super into like kids and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's actually pretty awesome. And then it's like I totally get it now because you just stare at this like little human all day, making sure they don't kill themselves. And then, well, yeah. like, oh, look, they sound in a chair like a person. Isn't that amazing? And you're like, no one else cares. It's like, right. I get it now, though. At least,
2: right. I, it definitely takes that. I think having the kid in order to like not be totally nauseated by that stuff. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> it's totally. like that with
2: it's like that with marriage too sometimes. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to show and tell. Mm. What do you got for us, Logan?
0: Um, so I brought my notebook because I thought that would be a good Ooh, one. Oh look at you. Yeah. Um, so this was one of my, I guess, resources when I was studying for my Psalm exec. Ah. You can see it. But so Highlighted. Yeah, you go through these giant, um, printed out copies of expanded study guides and you have different highlighter codes for... What, based on if something is just an interesting fact you anything that has to deal with varietals i outlined in green anything that deals with uh regions is in yellow and then blue relates to any dates or anything like that um, i
2: love the
1: color-coded
0: yeah right um, you
2: gotta go color-coded
0: yeah Right. Um, otherwise i it's thought just that like- was like kind of a cool thing i guess to talk about
2: all right, moving on. Last thing to On the Fly. All right. Yeah. Logan Fan cursed. Louis Louie's getting her timer ready. It's 60 it's seconds ready. rapid fire questions.
0: All right, let's do it.
2: Go. And go. Favorite meal growing up?
0: My favorite meal is called Chinese noodles. It is straight up like ramen and ground beef chopped <laughs> together. Love it. Yeah. Awesome.
2: So white. I love it. <laughs> so What's fun. your food guilty pleasure?
0: uh (laughs) chili cheese dogs
2: yeah best homemade beer
0: best homemade beer um i did a chain breaker clone and i put yuzu in it one time that was pretty good
2: dang that sounds good your biggest fear
0: biggest fear um i don't know (laughs) shit dude i don't know let's go buried alive that one's pretty terrible yeah yeah, sorry episode that's pretty
2: awful yeah Yeah. uh dream place to travel and eat
0: uh i still really want to go to spain i think that's on the top of the list or peru peru seems pretty legit too Dang. where is
1: your worst worst cut or burn
0: Ooh, i still have a lopsided pinky so that
2: one. Wait, is, <laughs> that, is that the slicer one
0: yeah that was a mandolin
2: favorite vegas restaurant you have not worked at
0: my favorite restaurant i haven't worked at
2: yes probably lamai honestly love
1: am i yeah so what is your cooking soundtrack
0: my cooking soundtrack, shit, dude, I don't even know. That's
2: what do you amazing. play? You don't play anything while you're cooking?
0: Um, I don't know. I just listen to like crappy emo bands, to be honest with you, so.
2: Oh my God, I didn't even know that about you. Like
0: that.
2: Yeah. Um, favorite outdoor activity?
0: Uh, favorite outdoor activity? Shoot, dude, um, I yeah, guess snowboarding. I do that a lot when uh, yeah. I'm not having a child meet me, so.
1: Louie, the right. classic question, classic question. Bazaar family and here, like everybody else, one black millable fact.
0: I don't know. I, I eat like half the food behind the counter, so I guess that one's pretty black <laughs> <Our car was laughs> You there. eat,
2: yeah. you eat your prep. Yeah, you eat your like prep? half the
0: time. <laughs>
2: that <laughs> Is that fair enough? Yes, yeah, that's totally.
0: Fair. do that? I don't know.
2: All right. In, fair. In closing, let's go ahead and sell it for Zuma. Tell us your favorite dish there. Uh, and what people can expect. Cause I literally went to Zuma for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It's awesome. Nice.
0: Yeah. Um, I, the way I always sell it, man, is they cook everything on Japanese Benchotan on the Robata, um, <laughs> the seafood and the way it's prepared and cooked there is unlike anything like I've worked with anywhere. It's literally skewered and like cooked up suspended above flop fire. So, I mean, yeah, that Chilean sea bass is probably my favorite dish on our menu. Um, but yeah, anything from the Robata, I mean, they just really do it right. Even most other izakaya restaurants, uh, they're being cooked on gas stoves, but everything's 100%. Japanese being choked on.
2: I love that. Logan, thank you so much for joining us. Yay, we finally got you on in two years. First time. Yay! Right, dude? This is kind of like a reunion. I love it. Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. If you like what you've heard, please like, share, and subscribe. We stream new episodes every other Monday. We
1: love hearing from everybody. So please get social with us on Instagram at Two Sharp Chefs, on Facebook at Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.
2: Plus, check out my cooking blog at fromchefwithlove.com and Louie's amazing photography at LouisVicta.com. It's been a pleasure. We're 86 till next time.